that's how I'm going to make my impact in the world. It's not about interpreting your PL. It's not about making recommendations on your balance sheet. It's going to be how many people, thanks to my work and the owner's work, are going to have a livelihood today. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name's Rick. I'm happy to have you here, more than happy to have you here, over the moon to have you here. And thank you very much for all of your support over the over the time. Um, I'm reading all the feedback and it never fails to impress me just how far we've come with the show and just how many amazing people we've had with us. And today's going to be no different because I'm on the line with the wonderful Diana Murat. Welcome to the show, Diana. Hi, Rick. How are you? It's oh, good to be here. Yes, wonderful to have you back. In fact, now we spoke late, I think it was November 2020. Wow. Yes, it is. Yeah. Two years. Oh. oh my gosh. It's one of those situations where you blink and you miss it. Oh, oh. you said it. <laughs> well, look, um, just for everybody's, uh, you know, for context, you are a certified fractional CFO. You're an international best-selling author, speaker, master certified holistic life coach and certified uh, Fix This Next Advisor. And we're gonna be talking about how you help business owners enjoy higher profits without working longer or harder in their businesses. Now, I'm glad I've got really good lungs because that took a bit to get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, a long time to get to, yeah, let me tell you. Yeah, I bet I've it did. I've been around. I've been around too, yes, absolutely. Now, I'm wondering if we could, uh, given um, that our audience base has grown quite significantly since last time we spoke, I wonder if we can uh, find out a little bit about, I guess, your background. Where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from sunny Florida, is it United States. Is it actually sunny there at the moment? Well, the sun's going down. It's about seven o'clock in the evening. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's going down, but it's gorgeous outside. Yeah, wonderful. I I'm wondering, has that been home uh, forever or is that place you've moved to or? No, it's been, it's been home for about nine years. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I did time in uh, Toronto, Canada. Oh, there's a contrast. <laughs> uh, where I. I experienced winter at its finest for 28 years. <laughs> and um, and prior to that, it was Ohio. And then prior to that, I was actually raised in South America. So I'm, I'm sort of a child of the Americas. Yeah, fantastic. Now tell us a little bit about um, what life was like growing up for the audience. Now, where was that and uh, what can you remember about it? Oh my gosh. Um, well, the first eight, 17 years of my life was in South and Central America. Mm -hmm. And I always attended a school uh, that was bilingual. And half the day was in the US system and the other half the day was in the local country system. So it was kind of cool because I got a regular um, education, if you'll look at it that way, mm -hmm. that the United States would require. And then I would get a local education. So it was actually a phenomenal way to grow up. You got to see how the other, people live and their different currencies and the different foods and all kinds of stuff. So I really got to experience South and Central America for a very long time. It was yeah. quite formative for me. That's that's wonderful feedback. Thank you so much. I, I'm wondering from a cultural perspective, do you think that you are the culmination? You are the result of all those experiences? Oh, for sure, Rick, for sure. Um, and, and living in Toronto for 28 years, which was a long time for me, 
it's such a multicultural country and city in mm-hmm. particular. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, it never felt foreign at all to me. It just felt quite normal because I'm used to multicultural. Mm-hmm. So I was quite at home no matter where I went. Now, we, we often talk about pets. I'm a big pet lover. Uh, how about Me yourself? Too. Do you love pets? I do. I have two that rule my life. <laughs> and what are their names? Hooper. Hooper. Is a, and Miss Gracie. Miss Gracie. Uh, they're both chihuahuas. And uh, they have a reputation on the street as the Mexican cartel. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they're evil and heinous. And they're about <laughs> 10 pounds and 4 pounds, but they're still evil and heinous. They don't so, like anybody except me. Laptop, <laughs> laptops at night, murderers during the day. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible. No, they're really cute, but they just are very territorial and loyal. So they just don't like anybody coming by. Now, I know you love travel. I'd love to talk a little bit about that and uh, you know, share a little bit of your experiences that uh, have helped you to become the person that you have today. Where's been your most favorite trip that you recall? Wow. That's hard, I, I have to say I'm still an addict of Italy. Italy? Yeah. 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 And what do you think that and, is? Oh my gosh. Well, the panorama, mm-hmm. uh, the, the food, I'm a foodie, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say how much I like eating. Um, but I do feel that the Italian culture is so grounded in family, food and fun. <laughs> that just came out like that. I never yeah. planned that. And it, it just is such a beautiful culture. I'd say my second favorite country, besides, you know, I love the United States, love Canada. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I feel very, very at home in Mexico too. Uh, the people there are quite warm, mm-hmm. and they're very friendly, and they're and they're simple in the sense that they're just not complicated yeah. people. So it's really nice to be around people that are just not complicated. You know, they're just happy and they go about their business. And it, it triggers another thought for me. In a world that we live in right now, Diana, it's so complicated and so mm. terrible in many respects. But there is. There's a reason for living, isn't there? That it, life's worth living. Tell us a little bit about your perspective, your, I guess your philosophy on life. Oh, wow, that's a phenomenal question. Well, to be honest with you, I believe that we might've had a bit of say. It's not random where mm. we are um, entirely. I think we had a bit of say as to the experiences we wanted to have. So I feel even when things happen, which I don't understand, or I think they're negative or something, I remind myself that it's not just that they're, you know, um, what do they say? You know, that everything is for a reason. Mm -hmm. I I go a little bit further than that. And I go, not only is everything for a reason, that everything is what I wanted to experience and learn. So whether I'm happy about the situation or not, I recognize that I might have had a hand in choosing it and might have had a a desire to, you know, experience that. And be where you are today and in a perfect position in life. Now, I can see a number of books behind you and I know that you're an avid reader, just to say the least. Um, In fact, we're almost nearing 100 100 different books, business books. What what type of books are you reading? Easy. Easy? Easy. Oh, yeah. And plus. Easy. I think um, my Amazon account, if it could talk. <laughs> oh, my talk. God. Um, the Amazon guy pulls up at least a couple times a day, which oh, is well. the one 
not really. Okay, a couple <laughs> times a week. That's why the chihuahuas have to be out because they would bark all the time. Yep. Um, recently, uh, because I have, um, in the last two years since I spoke to you, I've become more focused on the fractional CFO yes. um, business. I have been reading a lot more about financial, uh, how can I say it, financial management of small businesses. And try, I mean, I have, I'm an accountant and I, you know, I know numbers, but mm -hmm. that's not the same as knowing management. Yeah. Um, so I've been learning on learning how to use numbers to really help a business owner uh, improve their business and improve. Because I don't know if you know the statistics, maybe not in your country, but in our country here mm -hmm. in the United States. It's dismal business um, business stats. Seventy five percent of small businesses don't live past five years, and ninety percent don't survive ten. And the ten percent that are left are not necessarily profitable. They just might have lived that long. Um, so the numbers are really staggering. Um, the number of businesses that actually fail, and as a human being with a small business and you asked me about my philosophy of life, I look beyond the balance sheet and the profit and loss statement. And I even look beyond the business owner. And I look at the fact that a small business could be the business owner plus maybe five to 10 employees. Okay. And those 10 employees might have three to four members of a family each, more or less, give or take. Yep. So one small business that goes under is 40 to 50 people that are deeply affected. And then it's, the, of course, the customer who can no longer buy the product or service. Of course, that's also a, an impact. But mm -hmm. I think about the 40 and 50 people that will not, that'll have to find a job or have to find another way of making a living or may have to go through a rough financial patch because that business didn't survive. Yeah. So the numbers are staggering. The number of people who are whiplashed because small business doesn't survive. So I look beyond, I use the fractional CFO as a tool, but I look beyond that to hmm. see that's how I'm going to make my impact in the world. It's yeah. not about interpreting your P&L. It's not about making recommendations on your balance sheet. It's going to be how many people, thanks to my work and the owner's work, are going to have a livelihood today. I love your approach because it's not uh, one dimensional. It's not just about um, A, B, C, D, all the numbers lining up on the spreadsheet, the balances being what they are. You're actually looking at the human impact. And I think that's critically important. Just as I think having a day-to-day -day routine is important, but I want to go one step further and talk about something you do that absolutely terrifies me, just the idea of it, running marathons. Tell me a little <laughs> bit about that. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I was not an athlete growing up at all. I was a bookworm. So if you think I have books now, you should have seen me back then. I can imagine. Um, I had no, um, I was an introvert and I preferred books to people. It was just me. Mm -hmm. And my brothers were exceptionally talented as uh, athletes. And of course, they made fun of me relentlessly. However, <laughs> when I hit 50, <laughs> Yes, I'm over 50. Wow. Um, when I hit 50 and the weight started to come on, I said, I got to do something. So <laughs> one day I took a, a Starbucks grande soy latte, extra hot, no foam, 
and tried to run across the street and I was winded just crossing the street and I said okay this has got to stop so I took up running um I actually went to a running class I was known as the sweep I was so slow um (laughs) They actually gave me, I'm not, this is no word of a lie. No, I'm going to mention. They gave me a headlamp and they, because they knew that I would be coming in after dark and I would be the last one in. No, no joke. I wanted to be cruel. Well, it was what it was, right? So I, I just said, you know, I don't, I'm not fast, obviously, but I seem to have this thing like endurance. I'm like, well, let me try. So I, you know, I decided to set a goal for myself and I thought you know maybe I'll run a marathon not having a clue my first question when I signed up was what just tell me how many miles is that again (laughs) 26.2 okay I had run one mile at that point and I was like oh my god what have I done but I trained and um and I did the first one actually I ran a half marathon on Saturday and a full on Sunday back to back yeah that was insane. That's called the Goofy here in uh, Orlando. Disney. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, I ran that thing, and I hated most of it, like most marathon runners do. However, the feeling you have when you cross that line, and you have dealt with your demons, mm-hmm. literally, because yep. all of them come up. Why am I here? What am I doing? I need to quit. What is wrong with you? You know, etc. When you cross that finish line you never look at yourself the same way again. Same way again. So I became addicted to that feeling. Yeah, that <laughs> adrenaline rush. It, I don't know if it's adrenaline, but no. it was, it was, it could, yes, it was, a, of course it was, had some adrenaline to it, but, but Rick, I got to tell you, having never been an athlete, just the fact that I finished yes. made me proud of myself. Yes, In a way that That's awesome. nothing else did. <laughs> you can't compare So it. I, I went on to sign up for another one and another another one and another one. And then I decided (laughs) I'm only going to run the big ones and I'm going to run the international ones. Because, I mean, why do you want to run a marathon locally where it's boring? No, no, no. So my last one, um, my last one was in Paris. I ran the Paris Marathon. Wow. And that was fabulous. I mean, come on. Right? If you're going to run 26.2 miles and be in pain, that's the one you got to run, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've run all the all the big ones, uh, you know, New York, Chicago, Boston. I'm impressed. Now I tell you, can I just share just a very quick experience I had? Sure. I, ran, I ran a half marathon, and Here I remember. I remember, and this was some years ago, and we did, and I did it with my wife, and it was part of their business thing, and I did it, and I had to train for it because I was I was unfit at the time. Of course, <laughs> you don't have to train. <laughs> and uh, I remember the feeling like you talk about going across the line. I actually collapsed. My legs disappeared is that that normal because i i had to sit down and they had to rush over and say here's some electrolyte drinks you'll be fine enough thought oh my god my legs have disappeared yes yes you um you actually the human body is not really meant to run those distances if you study (laughs) the physiology of 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 the human we're actually not meant because of the amount of energy that we can store in our in our uh, stomach and in our liver, mm-hmm. um, we can actually not run those distances. So you are actually probably in the last mile or two or longer, you're pro- you're running on pure adrenaline. Yeah. And so when you cross that line and, and you let go, 
Uh, that's your body's happened. like, okay, remember me? I, I, never, I quit I, about five miles back. I never got the explanation and now I have it. Thank you very much. Now, I wonder yeah. if, if it's probably a good dovetail question. Given, um, I guess, what you've learned about yourself uh, as a, uh, in sports now or, you know, um, running marathons, how does that translate into business? Have you seen a different side of you as a result of that? Yeah. Yeah, two ways. Um, running a small business is an endurance sport. It is not, it's not, you know, they say, oh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Okay, I, I actually do understand what that word means. Mm -hmm. And just like you hit the wall in a run, you hit the wall several times in a small business, or you can hit it a lot. Um, the other thing that, that I find that's quite similar is when you're hitting that wall and things aren't going the way you would like them to, you've got to pull from somewhere inside of you because it ain't easy. The entrepreneurial journey is not easy and it's not linear. We'd all like to think that, you know, oh, year over year, I'm just going to increase by 10%. And yeah, yeah, whatever. It's more like whiplash city, right? <laughs> yep. um, it's like being on a racetrack with go-karts. Um, but you have to dig in deep and re-decide every day to start a business. Every day. Just like you have to go out on a run and decide, I am going to finish this no matter how long it takes me. So tell us a little bit about um, your day. Um, we, we often talk about routines because there are people on the show who mm. take a lot away from that. The feedback uh, tells me that. So what's a day look like for you? Are you an early riser? I am an early riser and I, um, I love, um, I have a planner. It's the Michael Hyatt full focus planner and I follow his system. Mm -hmm. So I use, I have a, a morning ritual. Then I have a workday startup ritual, then I have a workday completion ritual, and then I have my evening ritual. And the morning ritual will begin around 6 a.m. And of course, it begins with coffee. Lots <laughs> and lots, lots of coffee. <laughs> and lots of coffee. One mug to go. But, <laughs> yeah. And I, I try to read a minimum of 20 pages of a business book of some kind. Sometimes I get through five and 16 ideas go off in my head and sometimes I can get through some more, but I try to read a business book, make some notes and, and uh, get ready mentally for the day. Yeah. And I think that's very important. I do better in the morning. In the evenings, I'm not so smart. Not so, <laughs> I'm tired. Not so good, a bit tired. Yes, absolutely. I'm a bit of a morning person. Now, I, I wonder if you have a bit of a flat day, you've woken up and you're going, regardless of this wonderful coffee that I've just consumed, I don't feel into it. What do you do to get back on the bike, as it were, and have a, have a better day? I have a playlist of songs. I call them my anthem songs. Oh, yes. And they make me feel like a badass. Yeah, yeah. So I will turn off the Zoom or if I'm not on camera and I'll turn on my playlist and they're just songs that I sometimes listen to when I'm starting a marathon as well. Like they get me like, all get right, here pumped. we go, here we go, here yeah. we go. And so I play one or two of those and say, okay, and it just raises your energy. It's, it's an energy issue, right? Yep. It just raises your energy no matter where you are. Um, it, it'll bring it up a few points. And yeah. I go, okay, 
I've that's, had my anthem song. I can go. That's I can what I need. That's what I need to rock and roll. You need a playlist. Yeah. What absolutely. would be on your playlist? Uh, Tell uh, me uh, one I, song that would be on your playlist. Um, it's actually probably not the type of music you would expect to hear from me, but I actually like um, Slipknot. Um, there's some really fast um, paced music in their music, uh, in their lineup that I really, really enjoy. And I find that when I'm, you know, doing editing work and things like that, it keeps me on focused, on point. So I get it. I understand what you're saying. That's wonderful. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And and some and some for some people, maybe it's quieter music. Whatever it is that, <laughs> that helps. But for me, it's the pump up. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's the one I need. And the one that gets me every time, of course, is happy. Yep. You yep, know, yep, by yep. Pharrell. Yes, yes. I'll sit here and I'll act like a total goofball, and I'm grateful <laughs> that no one can see in my windows. You know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> And then I'm like, okay, I'm good now. I'm good now. I can proceed. Now, talking about proceeding, I'm wondering if we can uh, switch gears and, and uh, talk about fractional CFO. I'd love to learn and share with our audience what that actually means, because I'm pretty sure there'd be some people on the line today who won't uh, know what that means. Yeah, I know. Some people think, what, did you break a leg or something? Like, <laughs> what, what is that? Okay. <laughs> So a CFO is a chief financial officer and mm. generally in a large business like Pepsi or, you know, some, a large corporation that has a CFO, this is a very senior role. It's a C-suite role. It's, mm -hmm. they work with the CEO and the CIO and et cetera. Anything starting with C. And anything with a C, right? <laughs> and these are generally very highly prepared people. You know, they're, they're certainly not dumb and they're also very expensive. Yeah. They, and rightfully so, rightfully so, they are in their keep. So a fractional CFO brings as much of that firepower as they can, but they do it part-time for small businesses because a small business cannot afford well into a six-figure salary, yeah. right? Yeah. But they can afford a few hours of a CFO. Um, and so they pay for a few hours of your time per month and talk about their finances and, and so on. So what we do is, so let me just give you a little bit of an image. Yep. An accountant and a bookkeeper and a CPA always are looking sort of in the rearview mirror. They're looking at what has happened in the business and that's great. We need those numbers. We need that kind of visibility. We need to make sure those numbers are correct. A CFO takes those numbers but looks forward and does forecasting and does not so much prediction stuff, but allows the owner to make decisions moving forward based on historical data. And most CPAs and bookkeepers, et cetera, if they don't, they may not have the time or they may not have the ability to do that. So a fractional CFO fits in between in a small business, generally around under 10 million in revenues per mm -hmm. year, usually, because once they get into the 10 million range on up, they can usually afford a CFO now on staff. But before they're making that kind of money, they can't afford a full-time CFO. Yeah. So you can, it's like a rent a CFO. You yep, can yep, rent them fantastic. for a few hours a month. That's why it's called fractional. Uh, makes all the sense in the world now. I'm wondering also, uh, you would build, um, I guess, traditional relationships inside of businesses when you're working with the largers that can earn the six, six uh, salaries. But when you're working with people part-time on a fractional basis, is trust and relationship building just as important? 
Oh my gosh, absolutely. And in fact, it that's the real skill. That's the real skill. Um, the numbers part and everything. Yeah, okay. You got to kind of know what you you're gotta doing. You got to do it. Yep. But what's not said? What are the wishes and the dreams and the hopes of the business owner, and maybe one or two of his key staff? Um, you got to get behind that, and you can't just look at numbers to see that. Um, so you have to really connect with that business owner. And, and here's the other difference, a bookkeeper and a CPA. Okay, here's a, here's a saying for you. <laughs> Who's more devoted to your breakfast, the chicken or the pig? It's, it's a, a question I've never heard before. I don't know. Okay. Well, the chicken lays an egg and moves on, right? Yep. The pig died to be on your plate. Oh, yep. So the pig is committed <laughs> to you. He's, okay? he's in for the long run. <laughs> he's in for the long run. <laughs> he has no choice, right? So I try not to be a chicken with my clients. I try to be the pig, so to speak. That's yeah. why I have piggy banks behind me. Um, yes, yes. My, I see, see one. my shiny piggy bank. I can just see his eyes peeking over the top of the chair. Oh my <laughs> gosh. He's like the Oscar of piggies. <laughs> I'll have to show him to you um, because I deserve it. A, 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 an Oscar in terms of piggies. But I try to be the pig on the plate. I try to be vested. I try to really get into the business owner's desires. And I don't ask, you know, oh, what was your profit margin last week? I don't know. I get into what were you thinking when you started this business? What was your hope? What was yeah. your goal? What was your dream? What, what did you think you wanted to accomplish? And how can we get back there? Because I can assure you the entrepreneurial journey is probably kicked the crap out of them. Mm -hmm. And they're right now just happy to get a paycheck. Um, but I take them back and I go, what started this and let's try to go back there what is it going to take to get back there and that's how i begin my work yeah that's wonderful i love that fact this comes back to my comment earlier i don't know about the balance and, and not being just about the abs and c's and the numbers lining up on the spreadsheets and i okay. guess um, from that point in time once you have a picture of um, your client's dreams aspirations and goals can what you do actually redirect um, their effort such that they do start to see the finance that will allow them to live those lives? Yes, um, absolutely. So then my next job is to say, okay, this is where you want to go. This mm -hmm. is where you are. So let's have like my number one core value is clarity personally and professionally. You can do everything if you have it clear. If you don't have clarity, then you're kind of like stabbing around in the dark. So I give them clarity. Okay, this is where you are today. This is the good. This is the bad. This is the ugly. And this is the gap between where you are and where you want to go. So now let's put a plan in place. We got to fix the bad and the ugly mm -hmm. and capitalize on the good and work our way to that image that you want to get to. It might be a three-year plan. It may be a five-year plan. It may be a five-week plan. It all depends on where they are and what they want to do. 
which is very uh, individual, very tailored to that specific client, which is great, I think, as well. Now, um, on the literature that I have access to, you talk about ignorance not being bliss um, and it's expensive. And you tie that to your plan to profit system. I'm wondering if you can explain, uh, I guess, that opening statement and the system itself. Sure. Thank you for, for allowing me to do that. So ignorance is not bliss when it comes to finances. What you don't know could be killing you. Mm. And um, what I mean, not necessarily the individual, but definitely and for sure the business. If you don't know that you're not making enough margin on a product, you may be selling a lot of a product, but you might not be making much money on it. No. And it's actually a, le a loss leader and you didn't know. Um, your expenses could be way out of whack. Uh, we all are guilty of, you know, um, using the, the, the business accounts and putting, oh yeah, let me, let me sign up for that software. Let me sign up for this. Let me sign up for that. And this stuff just ticks out of your account every month and you just don't pay attention to it. It adds up. Yeah, so up. those kind of things, being ignorant about them and looking the other way is, is going to hurt you in the long run, unless you're someone like, and even Apple, I mean, Apple, this is a story we always tell as CFOs, but Apple wasn't profitable for the first seven years it was in business. It never turned a profit. Mm. It had cash flow, which is fine. That's different than profit, but it never made a profit. However, it had cash flow. So it, it was, it was very careful about how it spent its money. Yeah. So that it could survive those years of research and development to get them to be the, the company that they are today. And most companies, Amazon took, I think, 11 years to uh, turn a profit and so on. So ignorance is not bliss. Uh, my plan to profit system is sort of what I described earlier is mm -hmm. let's take a look at where you are, where you want to be. Yep. Figure out the gaps. And it's a plan. So my background... Be not only in accounting and finance, but I did um, 20 years as an IT project manager. Yes. Uh, I was a project director and I ran large programs and I know how to create a project plan. So I combine those two skill sets, the accounting and the finance mm -hmm. with the project planning. And I break things down into deliverables and steps. And the one, that's the one thing that most business owners don't have is the one clear path to what they want to achieve. They have, they throw like spaghetti on the wall and hope something sticks mm -hmm. and like, oh, well, maybe we'll follow that wind and oh, well, <laughs> wind died. Let's try that try wind. Something else. <laughs> it's trial and error. Well, failing to plan is planning to fail. Planning. I didn't coin that. That's no. been out there, Yes, but it's the absolute truth. So my plan to profit will say, let's, let's look at where you're going and let's put a plan in place. And that's the missing ingredient. Yeah, that's wonderful feedback. Really loving this, this call. Um, now, I know that uh, you have three truths. I'm wondering if you can just share what those three truths are and just expand on them a little bit. You talk about clarity, empowerment, energy, and uh, um, stabilizing your business's money before you can grow it. I wonder if you can expand on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll take the last one. Um, clarity is what we've already talked about, yes, which yes. is to, the good, the bad, the ugly. You got to know what, where you gotta are. Got to know where you are. Sticking the sand no, stuff. No sugarcoating, mm -hmm. no looking away. We got to look at it. Warts and all. 
So one of the 99.9% of the time, I'll meet with a business owner and, okay, so what do you, oh, I, I want to grow. I want to scale. I'm like, okay. Sometimes they don't, it's not recommended to grow at the moment. Right now, you've got holes to patch. And you may need to stabilize before you grow. Because if else. you try to grow and you're not stable, you know what happens. You implode. Growing too fast can also is one of the reasons small businesses don't succeed. So sometimes you hear of these runaway success companies. Oh my gosh, you know, they they 10x their sales in under six months, but the business company went under business uh, underwater. Underwater. Why? They had the sales. What's going on? People love their product. What's you know, they weren't ready for growth. They didn't have the systems in place, the people in place. Um, they didn't have the, the infrastructure, exactly. And so what happens? You put 10x or something on top of it, and it's going to just crush it. So that's one of my truths is maybe we, maybe we grow, maybe we stabilize first. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm wondering, there's uh, something else I saw on your website, and it really caught my attention. You mentioned women's empowerment through money. Can you share more about that with us? Oh, thank you. That's one of the subjects dear to my heart. So mm -hmm. you mentioned in the outset that um, I'm an author. Well, I, I was in a compilation book on women's empowerment, and I wrote a chapter. My chapter was based on money and women not feeling empowered over their money and the effects that that can have on themselves, of course, but on their families. Yeah. What do I mean by that? In my experience, women equate money with power. And power, I don't want to say it's a male, uh, a male um, attribute because yep. women women can be powerful there's no question absolutely but we've got this mixed up thing that money and power might be not so desirable and so women get this self-doubt when it comes to their own power and when it comes to their own money and so what happens is they outsource their money to somebody uh, so yep. it could be to their husband it could be to, you know, their dad. It can be to a financial planner. Mm -hmm. And I've read so many books about women. Barbara Stanny wrote an amazing one about women. She worked for Merrill Lynch, and she said nine out of the ten women who walked through her doors to do financial planning didn't have a clue and were widows and didn't know what to do. Mm. Um, now, granted, that was probably about 25 years ago, but mm -hmm. even women now struggle with knowing their financial potential yep. and how to manage money. And so they feel kind of disempowered. And to me, if money is just an energy, it's just something we have. And it's something that we can acquire. It doesn't have to own us. It doesn't have to change us. Mm -hmm. But our mindset can get in the way. So anyway, I, my book, my, my chapter on empowerment was, if you're on top of your money, good, bad, or indifferent, 
you're on top of your life because money is a huge part of our lives. Whether we want it to be or not, you can, you can look away from it. That's fine. It doesn't change anything. Doesn't change it takes it. money to live. Absolutely. This has been a wonderful conversation now. Um, there's going to be people on the, on the call, Diana, who are going to want to know more about you, how to get in contact with you and start working with you. Given that you are a fractional CFO that is available for those smaller businesses, which I think is the key takeaway here. I'm wondering if you can tell us um, how people can contact you and what is the process to start working with you? Oh, wow. Yeah. So the best and really the, the, the way I prefer is just go to my website and book a call schedule a call with me and I do something called a right fit call to make sure that a um, you're ready for working with a CFO and that can take a number of dimensions right not only yeah. um, not only do you know you want the desire to, to fix your your financial situation but also um, you, you have to be able to pay for it <laughs> so yeah. there has to be a good fit yeah. um, I don't work for free no. Again, it's women's empowerment and money. Yes, yes, I have yes. to model it, right? Of course, of course. So, um, yeah. So the the best way to get a hold of me is dianamoret.com and uh, ask for a call, and then we'll take it from there. Fantastic, Tony. Thank you so very much. Now, everybody's oh, on the Rick, call it's today. Been a there, there's uh, a lot to take in here. This is just um, tapping away at the, I guess, the tip of the iceberg, as you could uh, uh, suggest. So, if you are interested in learning more and working with uh, Diana, uh, dianamaret.com, you will find that link back to Diana and all of her wonderful work. There's lots of great content to be found on her website. No matter where you find this um, post, you will find the links back to Diana and her wonderful work. And with that being said, Diana, Again, what a great call. Thank you so very much for joining me on the show. Rick, you honor me with your, your time and presence. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.